interrupt me. Hello, welcome to another episode of Girl and Interrupted, where we talk about issues that affect women and female identifying people. I'm Lisa, and happy hump day to everyone. This week is Art Basel here in Miami, and there's just so much going on. I don't know what events I'm going to yet, but I'm definitely going to get out and catch some. I know I need to see the show from my friend Jonathan from Mississippi. He's going to be here in Miami, and I'm so proud of him. There's just so many that I want to go see, and I have to make time to go. And I hope you go, too. I hope you go to get inspired. I hope that you go and you see how passionate these people are and that it sparks some passion within you, because I know I'm going to give me some of it. Um, I really wish that my people in Mississippi or all around the world could come to Miami for Art Basel because it is honestly the best time of the year other than traffic. <laughs> but um, this episode is going to be a little bit long, so I'm just going to hop right into it. Today's episode is going to be a bit different from the rest. Today I'm specifically talking to women and female identifying people of color. This week's topic is colorism. And the reason why I picked this topic is because I'm seeing how it affects me on a day-to-day basis. I've noticed it in my workplace and in my day-to-day life, how some people are free to express themselves as much or as little as they want to, and it's accepted because they are of lighter skin. And this goes way back to my youth, seeing how I was treated as a brown-skinned woman versus people who were lighter or darker than me. I think it was around seven when the conversation came up that I wasn't black. I was brown. It didn't mean it in a literal sense, like a black person uh, or black people are shades of brown. It was more so in a comparison to other people who were darker or lighter than me. And the constant conversation of kids wanting to be anything other than black, claiming to have any in their family or that their aunt was white. And this is something that I hear happen today as well. Just anything to wash the black away because we knew at a young age... And they know at this age that people with lighter skin were not only considered to be more attractive than darker people, but were treated better. The fact that boys or even girls who were more attracted to the other kids who had lighter skin, leaving the darker kids to hate themselves and look at themselves as lesser than, or to grow up to hate the lighter girls or boys for something that they can't even control. So colorism affects naturally lighter skin and mixed kids as well. But Teachers really didn't have patience for darker-skinned kids. And as an educator today, I see that a lot of teachers, as well as administrators, still don't have patience for dark children. This is perpetuated in our day-to-day lives and media with the representation or when people are talking to their kids and saying, don't go outside, you're going to get too black, or don't go natural, you're going to look like a slave. And I don't want this to be the future for my little black niece or nephews So this is something that I think we need to fix. So I'm going to hop right into it, into what does colorism mean and where did it come from? So colorism is when prejudice or discrimination is held against individual with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. In better terms, it's when Black people or any people of color are discriminated against kids or other people for being, or other adults for being too dark or being too light. So this is for any community. While we are on this, I just want to point out the terminology that I'm going to be using because when I came to Miami, the idea of these words were very skewed. And I just want to be very clear on what I'm saying. Black is any person 
who is of direct African descent. So this can be one generation over. It can be um, two generations over, three generations over, 10 generations over. It's of any person who is of direct African descent. African-American is specifically a person of African descent who was born and raised in America in our American culture and possibly have parents who were raised and born here as well. Afro-Latinx is a person who is of African descent but was born in a Latin country and is of Latin culture. So you get the pattern by now. You could be of African descent and be from any culture and a part of any culture. I mean, be any country and a part of any culture, sorry. Blackness is an umbrella term and is used for all. So Haitians, you are Black. Africans are Black as well. Caribbeans are Black. There has been this stigma about the word Black that people are running from because they think that it is a word that specifically describes African Americans. And that might have something to do with America and it's like terms, racial terms of white and Black or whatever, but... It is definitely a stigma that's there. And Lord forbid anyone makes the mistake of being considered uh, African-American. I mean, that's a different topic for a different day. But because we have such a bad rap, people do not want to be considered as being Black. But it's an umbrella term. And the moment you step foot into America, that's what you are. That's what you are. But where does this come from? Slavery, of course. When Africans were captured and brought to America, their slave masters raped them, both men and women. But from them raping the women, the men raping the women, or the women raping the men, the mulatto kids were born. And this created a hierarchy based off the blueprint that was already there, based off this scale of whiteness. If you are lighter, it meant you had more white in you, so therefore you were treated better. You had more of them in you, so you were better. It meant that you were in the house while the darker people were in the field being beaten, lynched, and raped. And I don't mean to say like the whole rape term, like it didn't happen to lighter people because it definitely did. But for the women who were in the field, it happened more often because they were even raped by the other men who were in the field in order to populate the, um, the people to work in the fields for them. Um, it was just like a whole industry based off of that. So now, don't get it twisted. One drop of blackness made you black, but being lighter definitely gave you some form of privilege over the darker slaves, and that is still happening today. A misconception is that we had slavery only in America, in, in Mississippi, and Alabama, but it happened in the Caribbean and other countries as well because America sets this standard for beauty in a lot of countries, it affected them as well. Hence the whole skin bleaching epidemic in India and Jamaica and other places where people of color are the dominant race, despite the fact that using these creams are toxic, they want to be lighter. So here's a couple of statistics. 77% of people in Nigeria are using these skin bleaching products. Jamaica is number one in the use of skin bleaching products, and 40% of Chinese women are regularly using these skin bleaching products. So what are these skin bleaching products? They are creams, scrubs, pills, and even injections that are designed to slow down the production of melanin in, in your skin so it makes you lighter. I think it makes you look like chalk um, and dead. And there's this whole thing about like Black China going to Nigeria and selling the whole white niches 
skin bleaching products there. But I mean, it's money there because they're, I mean, it breaks my heart, but 77% of the people in Nigeria are using it. That's sad, but I digress. Coming from Mississippi, it is apparent to me why people use this though. Seeing the inequality that happens to black people makes me completely understand this logic, even though I don't agree with it. But coming to Miami, things look different here. There are so many different people of color here. But colorism is heavy and deeply present. So I decided to talk to one of my friends about the colorism in a Latino culture. We know that the idea of colorism comes from slavery and these issues are very prevalent in the African-American community. And I just told you how, but I think it's also important to get information from other countries and from people from other countries. So here is the conversation that we had about colorism in the Latino community. So today I have my friend Kayla Williams here with me. Hi. And um, I can't really talk a lot about the Afro-Latina community. So um, I got her to come and talk about it a little bit. And she's going to talk about her experience, where she's from, and how colorism affects her. Okay, so being from Nicaragua, we have a bunch, it's a bunch of different cultures. So when it comes to that question, what is your ethnicity? Um, it's kind of weird to me. I always lean towards the Afro-Latina, Caribbean type, I would say would be my ethnicity, even though I was born in a Spanish country. There's very little influence in my upbringing from the, uh, how do you, the Latin? Mm -hmm. Not really, because we still, we speak the language. Some of the food we use, but it's not a big part of it. Mm -hmm. More of the Caribbean, more of the um, African influence that has to do with the food, the folklore, the dance, it's, it's all from more of a Caribbean, more so mixed in with what would, what most people would consider Latin. And then the other thing is, is how does color, colorism, or what does colorism look like in the, the Latin community? Or Caribbean community? It's the same and then it's it's not so it's the, it's the same in that you have the light skin dark skin um i guess battle for lack of a better term and then you also have the superior only because of looks like the same thing that we have in america now where um white people tend to be the trademark for everything that has to do with standards like beauty or the way you speak just things like that so it's usually the same um, within the Afro-Latin, you do have colorism. You do have, if you have the lighter skin, then you're prettier. If you have the lighter eyes, then yes, you're more desirable. If you have long hair, you're desirable. Um, more so than someone that has dark skin. More so than someone that has coily, curly, or even for, you know, nappy hair. Um, that's not something that anyone ever wants. At least that's what I was brought up into that, oh, you have to have a certain type of hair. Um, you ha Your hair needs to be um, pressed, permed. It cannot just be out. To wear a fro, 
was like, where are you going? Your hair is a mess. You need to comb your hair. Just leaving your hair to just naturally grow out the way that it's supposed to. Let it do what it does. And I was always like, oh, no, you need to comb your hair. Your hair is not combed. That's not kept. You do not look good. So you have that. Um, so who, who all does it affect? Like, who do you see it affecting the most? And in what ways is it affecting them? As usual, if it affects the most would be black people um, when it comes to when it comes to a job, when it comes to just opportunities that that's who it affects the most. Um, I believe now it's gotten a little it's gotten a little better because Black, at least for black people in Nicaragua, there's a dynamic where they speak both English and Spanish. I mean, every, the like, majority of the country speaks English and Spanish. Um, but the part that I'm from, Bluefields, your first language is English for the most part. You do have the um, Mestizo Indians. You do have other indigenous um, Indians that's there. And their first language is their ancestors' language. And then Spanish is learned. So again, it goes back to colonization and how did English become um, slavery? That whole this the history kind of just repeats itself, just on a different land. So there's where that dynamic kind of come in. I'm not trying to give like a history lesson. <laughs> and that's another thing. Every time I I've, I'm introduce myself, every time I introduce myself, I always end up having to give a history lesson. Because I don't look what the world standard of what a Latina looks like. I don't sound like a Latina, you know? So even with other Latin people, it's like, oh, we'll speak Spanish. So I have to prove myself. But if I looked a certain way, if I had, you know, if I had lighter skin, if I had that so-called Latina look, then I won't be asked to speak Spanish it's more of a automatically they'll just start speaking Spanish so one thing that always happens is and we laugh about it all the time my cousin she looks like a typical Latina and of course I look like a black girl no problem so every time we go somewhere they'll always start speaking to her in Spanish but she doesn't speak Spanish so I'm the one that would maybe reply and I would get the crazy looks like why are you speaking in Spanish? And so it's like, oh, we're, oh, okay. So it's like I have to, oh, by association. Okay, I see where you're Spanish. But if I'm by myself, then it's like I have to prove that, no, I'm Latina. Like, yeah. So that's. <laughs> see, that's not really a, well, it could be like that in African-American culture when it comes to like biracial kids or something like that. But when it comes to, um, us just being, I don't know, challenged on our blackness. Of course that happens, and that happens to people who are lighter skinned. I've never really gotten cha challenged on my blackness. It's more so about what is being considered as being black, like, you know, the music and being an Oreo and stuff. So in a sense, it's still the same, but I can see the language barrier and the, the difference of people challenging you is something that I've never had to deal with. But I guess like, well, no, actually that's not true because Haitians do that to me. Okay. They'll just walk up to me and start speaking Creole, thinking that that I am Haitian mm -hmm. when I'm African American. 
So that is something that, that happens. But how do you think that colorism can be combated in the Latino community? Do you think it's something specifically with the Latino community that needs to be combated? Or do you think that it is just like a whole blackness thing that needs to be combated in America and all across the world? I think that that's just all across the world. It's just all across the world. Um, within the community itself, you know, make, like getting rid of ideas where you would tell your daughter or your son, you know, you have to better the race. Like you have to marry or have kids with someone that is light skinned so that your you know your kids will be pretty so that and you know like I don't want any nappy head babies you know things like that to start individually um when we have family functions and you have family members will make comments that it would come across like oh it's it's just, it's just a joke they don't really mean it like that you know that's where it needs to start like with your family with you when you mentioned about being challenged in your blackness I can see kids especially like Afro-Latinas having identity crisis because for me when I first came here coming from a Spanish country not sounding like someone that is from a Spanish country but sounding like someone that's like maybe from Trinidad or Jamaica never been there a day in my life and have people tell me no you're not you're not um you're not from Nicaragua you're from Jamaica no you're from Trinidad oh you look like you could be from like Pakistan like what no how are you gonna tell me where I'm from and so and so like and it, it was from both sides so the typical idea or the Hollywood idea of what Latin people look like is like oh no you're not one of us because you don't look like us. And then trying to assimilate with the black culture is like, no, like you look like us, but you don't sound like us. And it's just something different about you that's not us. So, so finding that, you know, that, that could really lead into an identity crisis. I have um, a really close friend of mine talking to her and we're just saying how, you know, it gets exhausting that every time you say, yeah, I'm from Nicaragua or yes, you know, I speak Spanish or I'm, I'm Latin. You have to prove yourself. You have to explain, well, how come you're black? Well, why don't you sound like, I don't know, Sofia Vergara, like, you know? And so she got to the point, she was like, you know, I don't even say that. I don't even say, I don't even claim if you know that I'm Nicaraguan, good for you. If you don't, you don't have to know. Okay, yeah, I'm Jamaican. And keep it so moving. So it gets to the point where you don't even feel like explaining. Everything, every single, everything is an explanation. Well, how do you speak English so well? What do you mean? <laughs> so when it comes to, because you have, you have a daughter and you have a son. When it comes to your kids, how do you see it affecting them? And like, what are you teaching them to stop them from like perpetuating this cycle of okay am I black or am I you know um, Latin or I'm not better than other people because I'm black or they're better than me because they have fair skin how do you um with my with my kids it's more of me dealing with myself internally and the things that I've been through and trying not to 
um, projected onto them because if you look at them, you see black. You see black, okay? They are black. But whenever they're with, like, with their cousins, you can see the difference. So their cousins can pass as mixed or they can pass as, um, not pass, but they will be considered to be mixed or they will be considered to be um, Latin. So with my kids, I just try to get them to understand that you are beautiful. And as much as people try to say that it's not or it doesn't matter, we have pictures and things all over the place. Representation. Yes, representation. Thank you. Representation does matter. Having people that they can see themselves in does matter like so that they can have that pride in that this is who I am this is where I came from and that's just something I need to work on because for a good middle school from middle school to about halfway through college I just tried to forget about the fact that oh I'm Latin because every single time I would have to explain myself I would have to continue to explain like, this is who I am. This is why, yes, my first language was English. And even now, my mom had a doctor's appointment. And they're like, okay, well, what's your ethnicity? Hispanic. So first language was Spanish. No. My first language is not Spanish. It's English. I learned Spanish in school because that's the language of the um, country. But that's not the language of my town. So even that, they were confused. They're like, no, but if you're from a Spanish country, your first language would have to be Spanish. And she was like, no. Like, well, that's what we have to put. Like, but it's not. It wasn't. Well, the computer can't change it. So they have it fixed in a computer that if you are born in this country, your first language will automatically be this. And so, again, it goes back to someone asking, well, how is that possible? And then that, and then depending on the person, whenever you have to explain that, well, slavery <laughs> is how is one of the ways that black people ended up here. You know, honestly, there's no other explanation after well, slavery. Then they they should be like, okay, all right, I got you. <laughs> Colonization, <laughs> the language. Well. I'm so happy you explained that because I can't. I, I don't live that life. And I know it can be difficult to... I, I mean, I see it. I see you around people. I see when they try to speak Spanish around you, not thinking that you don't know Spanish. And I mean, I deal with that, but they're right. I don't know Spanish, so they can get over on me. But for you, for them to like all of a sudden just sum you up and think that you're one thing, I can see that. So um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation on the effects of colorism in the Latino community. That is all for today. And if you did not catch the tips in our conversation, the tips to changing the effects of colorism starts with constant representation, whether it be in our day-to-day lives or in media, engaging all cultures to combat this issue because it is just not a African-American problem. It is all across the board. And combating the colorism within ourselves, checking to see if we are perpetuating this idea that fair is better. And like always, I will leave you with this. May you love yourself and your skin and know that you are beautiful. 
May you love your kids and families and others despite what the world has told you to think. And may you show the world the strength in blackness and always let them know that black is definitely beautiful regardless of the shade. Have a good week, you guys, and I'll catch you next week. Thank you again for tuning in. Bye.